0: Today's show is brought to you by
1: Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Imports, domestic, microbrews, best selection of beer anywhere. Wine coolers, water, soft drinks, snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day. And the pickle bar, led by the barrels and the dills, indeed is second to none. All at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. We're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Rowdy gains in just a few moments. First of all, our play-by-play call of the day. Rocco trying to win it for the Phils. 2-2 game, bottom of the ninth. Bear claw ready. He kicks
0: the pitch. Breaking ball, swung on, lifted in the air to left. It's got a chance. Back is Galloway at the track, at the wall. He jumps, it's yeah. goal. Game over. Franco wins
1: it. Three-run home run with two outs in the bottom
2: of the ninth inning. 5-2 Phillies. And they're waiting for Mikey
1: at home plate. Hey, Sam, bring it on, boys. And the Phillies walk them off still in first place in the National League East. Scott Franski with the call last night. Larry Anderson in the background on the Phillies Radio Network. Also heard on WKOK from Mikhail Franco. That is his first career walk-off home run as they resurrect themselves and beat the Marlins last night. Remember, for the Phillies right now, I mentioned last week when they made the deals, one of the keys so far is that they have not been pursued. Well, now... They are being pursued. The Nationals are starting to play better. That was a big win for them last night. Rowdy Gaines knows how to pursue and also understands pursuers uh, better than anybody in the world of swimming and maybe in the world of sports. Rowdy, it's a privilege. Thanks so much for being on the show today.
3: Thank you much, Steve. It's an honor to be with you, my friend.
1: Uh, Roddy, let's start with this. Obviously, uh, rising senior Allie McHugh out of Philadelphia and Penn State goes yeah. to, to the meet. And not only does she get uh, two medals, a silver and a gold, but she also, at one stage, shaves 13 seconds off her best. What impressed you about what you saw from Allie McHugh?
3: Well, it, it it would be similar to if you're if you're you know a big baseball fan or a, a basketball fan of somebody that you've never heard of doing something miraculous at one of the big competitions of the year in the playoffs because this is the playoffs for swimming. I mean, I know everybody thinks about swimming, but for us, we do have big meets every summer, and the big meet for us this summer are was the national championships in the Pan Pacifics next week in Tokyo and so every year there's this huge meet. So Allie really kind of came out of nowhere to be able to do the kinds of things she did at that meet. I mean, it was unbelievable see she wins the four hundred IM, which there is nobody in the building or nobody in that arena that said she was going to win that race. And she did it and she did it in a in a time that was, you know, the third fastest time in the world at the time. So it was, uh, it was an unbelievable drop, and you mentioned it was nearly 14 seconds in the 1,500, and uh, she had one of those meets that you, you just dream about as an athlete.
1: When you talk to some people, what do they attribute her improvement to?
3: Well, I think one of the big things is, 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 you know, her coach, Tim Murphy, at Penn State, um, the assistant there, Steve Barnes, they have done a, a tremendous job at Penn State. And I think they have instilled a confidence in all of their athletes, but certainly Allie. Allie's always had the talent, but it's difficult to... To step up and do it against the best, you know there are some really good swimmers in that 400 IM, especially. I mean, names that people aren't going to recognize, but the Melanie Margaliss's and Ellie Easton's, and there are so many others. Brooke Forty, the, the daughter of uh, Pat Forty, the Yahoo Sports guy, um, um, daughter was tremendous in that that event. So. That's that's tough to overcome mentally, you know. And so I think they got her to believe. And once she started believing in herself, she 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 went for it. I mean, she won her best time in the four hundred IM by five and a half seconds, which in swimming, those people that don't understand swimming is 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 unbelievable. I'd be thrilled if I won a best time by two or three tenths, and it didn't matter what race. So for her to do it by five and a half seconds in a four hundred IM was just uh, nothing short of miraculous.
1: And she also got her second medal. She claimed to silver the women's fifteen hundred meter freestyle. Right. And Ashley Twitchell, I believe is that Ashley, I believe is the reigning open water ten k national champion. I mean, that's a tough competitor right there,
3: yeah, exactly. I mean, and Ashley, is one of those swimmers that have been around a long, long time. She's been on the national team for seven or eight years, um, and, and you're right in the 10k, and to be able to go in there in the 1500. Now, um, Katie Ledecky didn't swim it, but it, it really didn't matter to Ally because her confidence was really built on. I think first, of, first of all, in the 800 freestyle earlier in the meet, and then the 400 IM. Well, you know, she dropped six seconds in the 800, so it was just, it was really cool to see that and see this type of athlete and this type of person because she's really a nice person. I don't know her very well. I've seen her and seen her on the deck, but everybody tells me she's you know, a wonderful person and somebody it's easy to cheer for, and that's somebody you know that USA Swimming desperately needs because there are a lot of great 400 IMers and a lot of great distance swimmers around the world that are not American, so the United States kind of needed an Ally me queue to, to, to kind of step up.
1: In fact, I was going to ask you about uh, the state of American swimming right now. How do you look at the state of let 's start with the women what 's the state of women swimming right now uh, as uh, you know we 're sitting here two years away from going to tokyo
3: well if you 're a swimming fan, I think you you realize that you know women swimming are uh, is in really good hands right now because they have the big stars you know Simone Manuel. Uh, first African American woman ever to win Olympic gold medal in Rio, and then you have Katie Ledecky, who is the greatest female swimmer in the history of the sport, bar none. Nobody's even close. So she's still swimming and still swimming at the at the top of her game. And then you had a performance by Kathleen Baker, who most people don't know of now, but trust me, they will in in two years. She broke a world record in the hunter mat, hunter backstroke, uh, at the national championships. And then you have little, you know, a, again. Athletes that most average people aren't going to recognize, but athletes like uh, Haley Flickener and Reagan Smith, who's 16 years old, and some really young swimmers like Allie, um, who are going to be really good in two years. And the, So the women's team is, is really set. Steve, USA has been number one in the world of swimming. Think about this for a second. Number one since 1956. Right. No other team, no other sport can claim that kind of dominance on a world level. Nowhere anywhere in the world i don't care if you go to cricket over in India it doesn't matter no 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 country has had that dominance for sixty two straight years. So the women are in good hands.
1: I have to ask you though about missy franklin uh, obviously she's trying yeah. to come back from a variety of issues depression, anxiety, among mm-hmm. others. Where does she yeah. stand to you right now, rowdy?
3: It's tough, buddy. I mean, this this sport will chew you up and spit you out. I mean, it's it's not an easy sport to maintain any kind of high level. That's why Katie's so amazing because she's been doing it for six years. Missy had a tough meet. It was, you know, I mean, it was it was a, a step in the right direction, but she still has a long way to go. There's no doubt about it. But it's Missy Franklin, I mean, you know, there's a reason why she uh, won so many gold medals back in 2012. She did it once. I think she's capable of doing it again, but it's still going to take some time. Um, injuries are, are tough in our sport to overcome, um, both mentally and physically. And uh, and Missy is one of those uh, one of those swimmers that I definitely think can do it. Um, and I think Irvine, the national championships, was a step, uh, step in the right direction, but. We really don't know until the Olympics. Because, to be honest with you, everybody loves us every four years. So, um, you know, (laughs) in in about about 20 months, everybody's going to love swimming. And and then we can talk about Missy Franklin again because that's where it's really going to matter. Nobody really cares about anything else in between.
1: Right, exactly, and Missy, by the way, is still the world record holder. I believe Absolutely. in the two hundred meter backstroke.
3: That's exactly right. Nobody's even close to her. Her two hundred four flat's about a second and a half faster than anybody else has been in the last four years.
1: Uh, then now let's flip it to the other side. What's the state two years out of men swimming?
3: No, Michael Phelps. I mean, even the casual fan of swimming knows the name Michael Phelps, and. That's always going to hurt you because he is uh, the greatest Olympian in history, uh, certainly the greatest swimmer in history. And uh, when you win 28 medals, that's hard to replace, my man. And, yes. uh, and it, 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 it's going to be tough to replace that. But I know there are some really good swimmers. Um, you know, you, you've, you definitely have some really, really good, great great swimmers michael andrew is one of these little kids i say little kids 19 years old now but <laughs> he people are going to know that name caleb dressel definitely they're going to know that name he won seven gold medals at the world championships last summer ryan murphy who won two golds in rio in the backstroke is the best backstroker in the world so there are some chase kalish is the best all-around swimmer in the world today he won the 200 400 IM last summer so you know nobody's going to beat the united states in tokyo Nobody is, men or women. They're going to be number one. But it's a little early with, with the retirement of Michael Phelps to, to kind of say, uh, will we get back to winning? We I mean, I say we because I can do that now. We won half the gold medals in Rio. There were 32 events. The United States won 16 of them. <laughs>
1: That's okay. When I do football with, uh, with Jack Cam, Jack refers to Penn State as we, so <laughs>
3: you can do that. We can that. say you can we it. now. I just can't do it on NBC, that's all. <laughs> yeah,
1: I understand that. Uh, back to Allie McHugh for a moment. She's going to go next up. Her next stop will be Tokyo coming. Right. Up. Uh, what does international competition mean to get that kind of experience at the stage? Oh.
3: I can't begin to tell you, and and again, those people that know sports know that competition is everything, especially when you're doing it against the best, and fortunately or unfortunately right now for Allie, the best swimmers in the world and her events are Japanese, Australian, and Chinese, and they'll all be there in Tokyo, so it's a great chance for her to step up against the very best. The only person that won't be there is is Katinka Hosu, who's from Hungary, and she's at the European Championships. But everybody else is there, including her own countrymates like Katie Ledecky. So it's going to be a great test for her, and this is exactly what she needs two years out because she'll have the World Championships next summer you know that she's pretty much already qualified in.
1: I mean, this is this is a great measuring stick for her. Where am I now, and where do I need to go?
3: Mid midpoint of the quad, Steve. No question about it. That you have to measure yourself at the midpoint because at some point you have to feel like you're building momentum. I know people say, "Well, guy, you're two years out. Give me a break." And you're right. A lot of things can happen in two years, but swimming is a weird sport, dude. I mean it. It's a sport that, you know, we don't have a break. You swim 51 out of 52 weeks a year. Most people take about a week off. Otherwise, it's year-round. And it's a sport that you really have to have some sort of momentum over- far and away out, and that's why it was important that she swam well at nationals, because that was the selection meet for every national team the next two years. So if you didn't do well at nationals, you're, you're done for until the Olympic trials in 2020. That's why it was really important for her to swim well there.
1: You mentioned Katie Ledecki and properly referenced her a couple times during this. And Katie, of course, can't swim collegiately anymore because she's turning pro. It's all right. part of the NCAA rules and so yeah. forth, which we can get into another time. Yeah. But when you look at her, you know, you're always, you, know, you and I both know, you either get better or you get worse. You never stay the same. Mm-hmm. Where is she better? Well,
3: you're you 're comparing her to Katie ledecky and that 's hard i mean that 's why i I feel for the great ones like LeBron and like Michael and like Tiger because when you when you watch them you 're always comparing them against them against their former selves which is which is unfair in in many ways and that 's the way Katie is she is so dominant she is so good that i 'll just give you a quick example you know the eight hundred freestyle she wins by uh, 10 or 11 seconds but she's 4 6 seconds off her world record and everybody thinks the sky is falling and yeah. and she's still uh, 8 seconds ahead of everybody else in the world not just at nationals <laughs> but in the world so it's just like her domination is so unbelievable that we're starting to say oh my gosh what if Katie's doesn't break a world record at some point you're going to level off you know there's, it's going to be impossible for her or for anybody to continue those strides to get better and better. But that's one of the reasons why she is the greatest, because I still think she's capable of going faster. She broke a world record four months ago in the 1500. so it's not like she's, you know, getting worse.
1: <laughs> well, what do you mean Nolan Ryan only threw a one-hitter?
3: I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's exactly right. Nolan Ryan, one-hitter, what's wrong with him?
1: <laughs> what's wrong with him?
3: <laughs> right. That's one... what we always say.
1: One final one for you. It turned out back in June we were mapping out for our football TV show. We do segments on other athletes at Penn State. And one of the cool. athletes that was brought up in the meeting was Allie McHugh. This is back in June. So this is before she's done all Oh, wow. All this. Cool. All right. So I have to sit down with her at some point, probably in the next three weeks, rowdy to interview her. Give me a question that if you had a chance to interview her, what would that question be from you?
3: I would say, what what was going through your mind when you knew you had to get up there and race against the very best in the 400 IM? There There were four times that were ranked in the top ten in the world in that heat of the 400 IM. It was one of the great national 400 IMs I have ever seen, and that's without Katie Ledecky, um, who... Swims of 400 IM had the American record in it at one time, and without Ella Easton, who is the fastest yard swimmer in history in the 400 IM, so it was really an incredible foreigner So I would ask her what what was going through her mind as she turned into that last 100, because she was not in the lead going into the last 100. Right.
1: It's pretty cool. That question: Will make the cut? See, and I'll make sure, <laughs> and I'll specify to her. So you know, I talked to Rowdy Gaines, which of yeah. course will then impress her, and then. Yeah.
3: <laughs> After I've done impressing awesome. her,
1: I'll ask that question.
3: She's awesome. She's just what the doctor ordered for uh, for USA Swimming.
1: Rowdy, absolute pleasure. Thrilled that you were able to, in a short period of time, come on the show and really enjoy talking swimming with you today. Appreciate it Thank very much. Thank you, buddy.
3: Much. I love talking swimming. I'll do it anytime but I appreciate you having me on, man.
1: Thank you. R- Rowdy Go, go Lions. Yeah. <laughs> Am I supposed to say go Gators here? No, no, no. I
3: went to Auburn. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, that's right. You went to, oh, I forgot. You went to Harvard. Uh, Harvard's coming up on Penn State's football schedule down the road here, by the that's way. That's good. Just,
3: that's good. We'll have to get back with each other then.
1: <laughs> that's, that sounds good. I'll get down to Toomer's Corner. There you go. Good yeah. job, buddy. Thanks, Rowdy. See NBC sports swimming analyst, Rowdy Gaines. All right. We will come back with more in a moment as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK.
0: Patronage.
1: Great to have you with us on the show today. Brought to you by Brewer's Outlet. Reagan's Treated Somebody, the beverage supermarket. Boy, was Roddy Gaines cool or what? That was uh, I mean, I really enjoyed that. Like hes He's really into it, and I think he likes the fact that we're into it. Uh, Like I said, it was interesting because Allie McHugh, we were supposed to, um, we'd set up back, we had a meeting in June, and we said, okay, here's some subjects we'd like to talk to for the Roar segment that I produce on the football TV show. Okay. Well, she was one of the ones. She hadn't done any of this yet. She hadn't done any of this yet. In fact, I was supposed to interview her three weeks ago. But then she won. So then we pushed it back a week. Well, then she won again. I finally said to Mark Brumbaugh, I said, You got to tell her to stop winning it so we can get this thing done. <laughs> now she's in Tokyo. That's why we had Rowdy on. That was great. Really enjoyed that. All right. Brett McMurphy was able to get a hold of 16 athletic directors, Sean.
0: Uh, contacted close to two dozen current uh, FBS athletic directors just asking for their opinion on the situation at Ohio State. And he posted this a little earlier today on okay. on Facebook. Uh, we'll read. Uh, well, yeah.
1: yeah, just you, read the responses. We don't have to read the numbers because these are all anonymous.
0: Yep, all anonymous, no names. We'll read one or two here. Maybe we'll read a few more in the next half hour when we have Kevin on. Hey, uh,
1: give, give, us some, give, us, yeah, give us about five or six here.
0: In today's landscape, quote-unquote, the Ohio State president is scared expletive less. The presidents and ADs were fired at Penn State and Baylor. When the president decides this starts going downhill and lies can be proven, then everyone will run for the hills. That's one quote from one AD. Uh, AD number two, I'm sure they'd love to keep him, but they have to first protect the university. AD number three looks like a smart move in this case to provide a layer of objectivity and separation regardless of the outcome. And one more quote, AD number four, no, there's no way you can keep him, they're trying to see how far and wide people knew, who knew what, and when did they know. If they keep him, the onslaught will never end. There are some quotes from 480s right there.
1: It seems like there are three outcomes here. One of them is he's finished. Number two is he's exonerated. Number three, suspended. But I think this goes further than just talking about Urban Meyer. When the quote is, all the wives knew, anybody who was on the staff in 2015 also has to be a part of the investigation and it has to give context to what was going on. Ready.
0: Taking your calls at 800 795 9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones.
1: I love how when your phone or your iPad chicks in something. I just received my 74th Flood Advisory. All right. it's uh, <laughs> all it does is rain. Oh, my goodness. And today's show brought to you by our good friends at Brewer's Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Imports Domestics Microbrews. Best selection of beer anywhere. Wine coolers. Water, soft drink, snacks. The Rooster peanuts fresh and hot every day. And yes, yes, indeed, the pickle bar is second to none. It's all at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street, and Subway, the Beverage Supermarket. By the way, with some great, uh, uh, great specials coming up as well between now and
0: Tuesday, Sean. Yeah, great deals. Coors Light is on special. Open nine to nine today. Tomorrow, Coors Light 24 pack, 16 ounce cans, 1797. Moosehead 24 pack uh, oh 12 pack cans. Moosehead 12 pack cans, 995. White claw seltzer 12 pack cans, 1495. But yeah, the big one Coors Light 24 pack, 16 ounce cans, the pounders. Seventeen ninety seven, and for people in the Sunbury area, and they know this very well. The uh, uh, Sunbury Kiwanis Club they always have a seafood fest leading oh, leading yeah. up leading up oh. to Labor Day. So, oh, if you yeah. want, swing by Brewers Outlet. You can you'll see the forms. So, if you you know if, uh, if you you know you have a little Labor Day thing with some you know you want to get some shrimp, you know lobster, clams, stuffed flounder. You know they have seafood fest forms from the Kiwanis there at uh, Brewers Outlet as, as well. So you can pick up your order form and then. I believe, like the Thursday or Friday before Labor Day, then you go to Brewers Outlet and pick up your seafood. Convenient. Oh, ah. that's the deal right there.
1: Ah. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to be there uh, less than two weeks before.
0: Or? New England lobsters, mini crab cakes, lobster macaroni and cheese, mussels, oh, mahogany clams.
1: I was in Cape Cod. My son Christopher ordered lobster mac. He loved it. Oh, lobster mac. All right, let's uh, bring in the last bastion of wisdom
0: on earth. Thank goodness. That got its Friday.
2: I want six pickles. <laughs> That's it. Six pickles. Now they're having a fish thing and all this other stuff. Seafood six Fest. Pickles. The Sunbury That's Kiwanis the new Seafood Fest. The season starting. <laughs> so, the ante's
1: up. Oh, the ante is now higher. Seven?
2: Twelve? This year when I win. Eight
1: and a half? This year when I win. When I, listen to this. This year when I win.
0: I why, want pickles. Why wait three weeks to start, start the smack talk? Just start right now.
2: I figure if I order them now, I'll get them before 2020.
1: So. <laughs> we'll bring Rowdy Gaines back before we you get pickles. <laughs>
2: Week <laughs> sports and your Red Sox just beat my poor Yankees to death last night. Poor I'm watching the game, huh? the Yankees are up four to nothing. I'm cruising, so I put Big Brother on. Have you guys watching Big Brother? Oh my god, what a great show. Anyway, just cruising four to nothing. I flip back at a commercial, they're losing eleven to four. I'm like, oh or twelve to four or ten I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. So
1: well, Steve Pierce, who they picked up in that trade about I don't know six weeks ago from Toronto, hit three home runs last night. Yeah, I know. So, so I'm done with the I'm done with my game here. I did a doubleheader yesterday. Mm-hmm. So, what I usually do is I get in the car and I'll turn on the the Red Sox network and I'll drive home. I'm driving home, and I knew what the score was because I have to I have to do a post game. You know, I have to do a post game scoreboard as part of our broadcast, so I knew what the score was. And, uh, and 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 uh, Steve Pierce comes to the play with a chance to hit his fourth home run. <laughs> the Yankees walked him. <laughs> and the crowd, oh
2: god, <laughs> <laughs> that's good for the rivalry. That's cool. <laughs> You're like, oh, no, I, I was laughing. I, I, thought uh, was, I thought it was in the dugout when the Yankees took a four nothing lead, and and you can see the look on his face. He goes, ah, that's nothing. They are so good this year, and I'm telling you guys, it's not necessarily the Yankees and Red Sox are so great. The baseball, uh, are the teams, are they that great, or are the other teams that bad? Did you see the Phillies game, the rundown?
1: Uh, Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, uh, You know, that's
2: just, uh, and there was a Yankee game where a guy was on second base, I think they were playing Toronto or somebody. Ground ball, the short, the guy on second base breaks for third base. That's Little oh. League stuff. The, the shortstop um, just tossed it to the yeah. third baseman and waited for the guy to slide in. Uh, and that rundown the other night, have you ever seen a double play on a rundown like that? I've never seen that. And everyone's saying, oh, the Red Sox, great defense. That's about as bad a base running as you can possibly do, you know? Yeah. And you're starting to wonder about the quality of sport and football and baseball, That there's like two or three really good teams, and the rest stink,
1: you know? Well, I said, I I think I said, well, five years ago, Sean, you might remember when I started talking about this, is that there are no more... Great teams, just a bunch of really, really good ones. In other words, the you're the champions really, really good, but they're not necessarily good. great.
2: Name name rivals to the Yankees and Red Sox right now in baseball.
1: I mean, currently Houston.
2: Okay, name another one. I mean, there's thirty two uh, teams. Yeah, so
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I would say I would say after that the Cubs would be next.
2: Yeah, I mean it. There's. So they're they're having these mammoth seasons. I mean, the Red Sox are going to win over 120 games. If they go 500 the rest of the year, they still win over 100 games. That's amazing. It's August.
1: Yeah, so, it is amazing. And Chris Sale was supposed to pitch last night. Didn't Brian Johnson? Oh, pitched? that's
2: the best thing that could have happened to the Red Sox. I, I think they sat him on purpose. If it was a playoffs, he'd be pitching. In other words, they are getting ready for the playoffs now. They know they're golden, and they're resting these guys. If, you, if you're if you hurt at all and you're a Red Sox, I mean, they've got great utility players, Brock Holt. They've got everything a baseball team could possibly want, and they can rest guys, sit them down for a week, get, and I would sit sail for a month. Seriously, yeah. they don't need them. Their pitching's great. They do not need him to make the playoffs. So sit him down, get him ready for the playoffs, and no one's going to beat him. Nobody. That's what
1: some uh, one of the uh, Phillies fans came up to me and he said, "Huh, yeah, split with you in Fenway." And I said, "Yeah, with the Red Sox through their third and fourth best starters." Right. as In fact, they threw their third and their sixth best starter. You threw your top two guys.
2: Yeah. No, and it's because okay. The Phillies are a good baseball team. They're good. They're good. But the Red Sox are just, oh, my gosh, they're good. I mean, I don't even remember when they lost a game. <laughs> they lost maybe two or three games in the last month. I mean, they're just beating the tar out of everybody. The last team that yeah. beat them in the series was the Yankees.
1: Uh-oh. Yeah, in a series, yeah, the Red Sox, well, they have one bad series where they lost to the White Sox, two out of three. And I'm looking around like, what the heck are we doing here? White <laughs> Sox? It's like, <laughs> <the> <laughs> so. <laughs> like cores and pace and back and forth on my job at stake here. Alex, you're 40 games over 500. You're all right.
2: <laughs> so what's your take on Urban?
1: Uh, I am uh, exercising... Um, I'm being measured about it. Yeah. Uh, because I think it's very important that you arrive at a truth that you believe in and then make judgments from there. Well, I, wish uh, I will say I this about Brett McMurphy's story. Brett um, McMurphy's story is that he put out on Wednesday. What I find interesting about that is hes is it's been out there now, oh, what, 52 hours, Sean? Mm-hmm. That sound right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And there has not been a single person that has come out and said, no, he's got it wrong. There hasn't been a single person that's attacked the story that he wrote in 52 hours. When's the last time you saw a story like that where a story was put out and nobody attacked it?
2: So does that mean everything's true?
1: Well, you look at the what he did. He interviewed her her meaning Courtney Smith Okay, so she puts out you know her, her version but he also has it backed up with text messages now what's going to be important for Ohio State is to sit down with the Myers and find out the context of those text messages and the context of conversations between the two then I think this goes further than that. There is a critical quote in there because obviously Meyer knew there was problems. He freely admitted it at the press conference that in 2009 he and Shelley tried to counsel the Smiths. All right? So that means he already had prior knowledge of another incident because the two of them volunteered to help them go on a path of counseling. Okay. But this goes deeper than just Urban Meyer if they're going to investigate it. The critical quote that Courtney Smith makes is, quote, All the wives knew. Now, in the case of me, she told other wives. Now, you don't know if those wives told their husbands, but anybody who's on the 2015 staff at Ohio State also has to be talked to. And I'm wondering if along the line, is there a violation of Title IX here? And I think that becomes the key as to whether jobs are kept... People are suspended, or they're let go.
2: So what was Urban Meyer's responsibility because he knew they were having marital problems?
1: Well, if he knew there was violence in the relationship, you know, as an employee at Ohio State University, um, he would be, of course, supervisor. It would be his responsibility to, if he's if he has been arrested for something, to report it up the chain or report it to HR.
2: Was he arrested for it? In
1: 2015, he was taken in, and the original arrest report, which Brett McMurphy has, has the box that is checked "arrested." McMurphy then went back to the Powell, Ohio Police Department and do again. He has the sheet already, but he went back. The box is not checked right now. Now, what's the... You know, so that, that becomes a real mystery in here. But, you know, especially for a violent... For an alleged... An alleged violent act against a woman would be his responsibility as a supervisor. Well, you know, of if course, he, you know... If he knew in 2015, why didn't he fire him then? And why didn't he fire him then? And... Why wasn't it reported to HR or reported to the athletic director, Gene Smith, as part of a procedural?
2: Now, is he responsible to report that?
1: If, he, if any, if any I've, had, I've had to take, in the last 16 months, Kev, mm-hmm. I've had to take at Penn State a Clery Act test, a mandatory reporter test, a Title IX test, a compliance test, and the last one I took was about mm, a month, six weeks ago, a sexual harassment test on how to report each. Mm-hmm. It's the responsibility of every employee, and not just a supervisor, to report something that's out of the ordinary. Gotcha.
2: Okay, you've answered my question. Uh, because I, I, I mean, I'm going back to the paternal stuff a witch hunt Then so, this does not sound like a witch hunt this sounds like there was something going on and he didn't necessarily try to hide it but he didn't, he tried to intervene but he didn't follow all the way through and I think
1: if, if I'm, if I'm giving a lot him of people
2: the, what, didn't follow through
1: right. well let, let me say this let, let's take it from the point of view of, okay let's go down the avenue for a moment of let's give him the benefit of the doubt Let's let's Mm -hmm. just go down that road for a moment. Yep. This is somebody he is known for ever. He is Earl Bruce's grandson. So Urban knew him when he was a kid. Uh, Earl Bruce was a guy that really got Urban Meyer going in coaching. So there's a sense of loyalty along the way. Mm -hmm. So that when Urban Meyer, you know, he played for Urban Meyer at Bowling Green. Then, when Urban Meyer had an opportunity to put him in as a uh, to get him on the staff in some capacity that then led to a coaching capacity, he did it Florida and then brought him with him to Ohio State and made him a position coach. So he liked him a lot, right? So there's always been that Mm -hmm. sense of responsibility or, or loyalty. A guy's loyal to him, he's loyal back. And then I'm sure the Myers thought that they could help them through the situation. Unfortunately now, again, see i 'm taking that avenue for a moment so i'm just I'm just playing a scenario out here, okay yep. uh, and not making any judgment uh, and in that scenario, put yourself in their shoes i mean would would you try to do the same thing for people you cared about and so on you know but it's alleged in two thousand and nine that when when Courtney Smith was pregnant, he grabbed her by the t shirt and he slammed her up against the wall now. Okay. You know, I mean, it's just uh, there's there has to be some point where there's a line. And did he cross that line, and was it enough to report it? And I think that's what Ohio State's trying to find out right now, if there was a responsibility to report it or there was a responsibility in 2015 to, A, report it, and then B, fire him.
2: Uh, listening to you, he had the responsibility to do something about it. And he didn't because it was his friend, and he knew there would be a lot of trouble. So, and now, it's too late.
1: So. Well, if there, to me, there are three scenarios here. Uh, actually, there's four scenarios. Uh, scenario number one is is obvious. He's let go. That's an obvious scenario. Okay. Mm-hmm. Scenario number two is he retains his job. Okay. Scenario number three is he's suspended. And scenario number four is other coaches are then caught up in this because they, too, did not report anything, and thus they lose their jobs. So, I mean, there's several scenarios that are involved here, and it's going to be up to everybody involved to just be straight with the investigators, give some context as to what what was going on, why decisions were made, why they weren't made, what were the facts, and can... The investigators at Ohio State get a hold of anybody in the Powell Police Department to explain the two arrest reports in 2015. Now Zach well, Smith sure himself. I'm
2: sure they can. I'm sure they can get whatever they want. So, well,
1: uh, you I think never know. they don't have a lot
2: pe- of trouble. But I, right. Well, they I, don't the, have.
1: A, they, they don't have.
2: Fireable? Is it a fireable offense? I don't know.
1: So I, I don't know. That's that's uh, going to be up to them to determine. Uh it, I think if if they're measured about it, you take your time, you make sure you get all the right answers to make the best judgment. You can't be held uh, hostage in the investigation to the fact that training camp began today. You can't oh. be held to the fact that the first game is four weeks from tomorrow. You have to be able to take as much time as you need to get it right or at least as close to right as possible and then make a judgment.
2: I think the fact that the police were involved, but it doesn't sound like they were heavily involved, is a big deal. Um, uh,
1: It's hard hard to tell, because Smith also has to to go to court, I think, in a week and a half. I'm trying to remember what the charge was, because what really ignited this was that he had his children for a day or something like that, and he had to bring them back. And part of the agreement was it had to be at a neutral location. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess he went to. He may have either been late or had gone to the neutral location. She wasn't. There's something, but he brought the children back to the driveway. And I don't know if there's a restraining order or something, but he was arrested for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, so he's, I mean, so there's this is a very tangled web that oh, I can yeah. freely admit we're all way on the outside looking in, trying mm-hmm. to make guesses.
2: It sounds pretty crazy with a lot of angry people, and I think the Myers are caught right in the middle of it. And they tried to help the guy. It didn't work. They tried to help her. It didn't work. um I don't know. The question is the yeah. I not don't, I don't know. But have to hear more, I guess, but you explained it very well.
1: I don't know what's well, going again, on. Again, I think part of it's going to be universities are very tied in with Title IX right now. Yeah. And yeah. if you look at the new Texas A&M assistant coaching contracts, which were put out today in the Dallas Morning News, they all have Title IX clauses on reporting in them. And this was done yeah. before any of this happened. So a lot of people are aware of it. Um, the question is whether there's a violation of it here. If there's not, I think they keep their jobs. If there is, then I think there's there's trouble for them. Oh boy! Hey, have a good weekend.
0: You too. Bye, Sean. Take care, guys. All the best. We'll see ya. You. you betcha.
1: Yeah, we're up to twelve pickles now. Jeez. Uh, I tell you, yeah, going up and up. All brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in
0: Sunbury. You're listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury. You can hear us anywhere in the world with the Sunbury Broadcasting Corporation app.